Welcome to Foundry. We're jumping into part two of Divine Design this week. It's a message series about how we can live into the plan God has for each one of us. Of course, every single one of our lives is different, but we all have these steps that God wants us to take. So last week we talked about knowing God, and that's the first step he has for every single one of us to know him. And we're going to jump into the second step that God has for us this week. Um, I, I do a lot of reading, just random articles online. I don't know if anybody else is there, just reading whatever I come across. And back in 2017, I remember the year, because I think about this article regularly. Uh, I came across an article about a group of people, several thousand people, and they were, they were on this website, they had joined together, and their whole thing was they like to unravel yarn. Like if, if balls of yarn get tangled up, they love to unravel it. They called themselves not a problem, K-N-O-T, not a problem. And there were several thousand of these people and they just enjoyed it. It was relaxing to them to untangle yarn. Now this is the opposite of me. Like the most stressful thing I can do is have to try to un untie, untangle something, especially if it's a big problem, but, but they delighted in this. In fact, there was, one, there was one big project, untangling project that they had that is, is legendary. It took two years for the whole community to come around and try to do. They called it the, st the stash of epic proportions, right? There's this, this big group, a big bunch of yarn. This lady had been set it outside to sort it out and it had rained on it. She had thrown it in the dryer. And you know what happens when you throw stuff in the dryer and it can get tangled up. It got all tangled up. And they said it was the size of a lamb. I, I don't even know exactly how big that is, but I'm assuming right this big. It was a bunch of yarn that had all gotten tangled up and they passed it around for two years until they finally got it untangled and they celebrated and they were excited when they got it untangled. They were also sad. They had lost a close friend. They had lost a project they had worked on together. And uh, there's a whole article written about this group of people. Now, if, if you're here today and, and you're part of this group, we, we still love you and you're welcome here, but that's just weird, y'all. Like there, there's something really weird about a group of people that decides to get together over their shared love for untangling yarn. That's what they, their community was built around. Now, the truth is you and I have different kinds of communities in our lives. Some of them are, are really important to us. Some of them are really serious. Some of them are just for fun. I, I'm in a couple fantasy football leagues right now, and so there's a good opportunity for smack talk. In fact, here at Foundry, there's, there's a group, about 18 of us in this group for fantasy football. And I'm proud to say as of right now, I'm 2-0. That may change at the end of the weekend, but I'm 2-0 right now, putting the smack down on a bunch of people there in fantasy football. So that's a little community, right? I've got a community that, that I don't even know very well. It's the community of, of people who get together. We all gather at the same coffee shop on Friday afternoons. It's not planned. I just have been showing up on Friday afternoons, and you see some familiar faces. And the truth is I don't know most of these people, don't know their names, but there's a, there's a community. You have communities in your life, it's, it's your family, it's your friends in different areas, it's coworkers, right? Different communities in your life. Here's the question that I have for you, and I think it's a question we all should ask ourselves. Who is your primary community? Maybe, maybe put a, a little bit different way, what kind of community is forming you? So who are the people, what's the community that's forming who you are and who you're becoming? In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul writes about community and what community should look like. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 12. Up to this point in Romans, uh, Paul has been writing about what Jesus has done for us and what it means to, to have been saved by Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit. And now in chapter 12, he begins to talk about what it looks like to be a Christian and live in Christian community. So we're going to pick it up in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. This is what Paul says to us. He says, let love be genuine. 
Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In this passage, Paul starts off and he, he has this line at the beginning. And the translation I was reading from said, let love be genuine. Some translation says, say your love must be true or genuine. What's interesting in the Greek, which is what this letter was written in originally, the, the two words at the top are just love and genuine, just genuine love. There's no command to let your love be genuine. That's the translator's trying to make sense of it because it doesn't translate well into English. It's just two words, genuine love. Everything that comes after it in this, in this passage is all about what does it look like to have a love that's genuine? What does it look like to have a love that's true? That's not hypocritical, but a love that is authentic. What does it look like to have that kind of love? And so everything we just read is Paul's description of what authentic love looks like. So as we're stepping back here and thinking about, okay, community, and as we're thinking about what are the steps that God has for us in this design plan, here's, here's the big idea I want you to grab hold of today, right? Our, our journey with God starts when we know Him, know God, but the second step for us is to find freedom, and we find freedom in community. So here Paul describes what it, what it looks like to, to have love and to experience love and to be loving people, and it's all rooted and grounded in a community of Christians. In fact, this is something, if you're taking notes today, write this down, that God's plan to form you starts in his people, starts in the church, starts in community. You look at Jesus when he lived his life. He had 12 followers around him. Really, three of them were very close to him and then 12 followers that were close to him. And then he had a larger group of about 70 and then a larger group beyond that of people following him. But Jesus was surrounded by community and he chose to use community while he was on this earth to form the people around him. God wants to use community to form you. As we look at this passage that Paul wrote to us and that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write, we see three really big ideas jump out at us. Here, here's the first one. And it's kind of obvious, but I want us to, to sit in it for just a minute. And it's that community is necessary for love. Community is necessary for love. Now, if you read the Bible, you, you understand pretty quickly that love is the ultimate goal. It's the goal of the Christian life. We become like Jesus the Holy Spirit works in us. We become people of love. Love is the goal. But one thing that Paul is emphasizing here is that community is necessary for love. You want to be a loving person? You've got to be in community. Let me look down at what he says here. Let love be genuine, right? Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Jump down to verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints 
and seek to show hospitality. Love is expressed in community. And Paul here gives us a, a pretty good definition of the different marks of what love is. He starts off, he says, well, love, real love is genuine. Real love is able to discern between good and evil. Real love is, is affection for other people. Real love is showing honor to people. It's having passion. It's serving the Lord. Real love is having hope. It's being patient when you're going through tribulation. It's being constant in prayer. Real love is contributing to others and showing hospitality to others. He gives us this picture of love, and it's a picture, listen to this, that cannot be separated from community. I think many of us have tried in our lives to be people of love, but, but you can't be a person of love if you're separated from community. And ever since 2020, right when COVID came, I think many of us have stepped into a, a lifestyle, a way of living where we've pulled back from community. We've separated ourselves some from community. But when we separate ourselves from community, we're separating ourselves from the source of what God wants to do to transform our lives. And when you're in a healthy community, you become a healthy person. And part of what Paul's getting at here is that to be a person of love, right, that's the goal, to be a person of love, you've got to be in healthy community. Often we, we buy into this idea, it's probably an American idea, this individualistic idea. We, we, we kind of have this vision of the rugged individual standing strong, you know, doing his or doing her own thing. But the truth is we are formed by our communities more than we even realize. Back in the 1800s, there was a community over in Italy, about 100 miles away from Rome, called Rosetto. And it was this, this little community, not a ton of people there. They did mining. They mined uh, the quarries around there. And in, in the mid-1800s, about 11 of these, 10, boy, 10 men and one boy, immigrated from Rosetto over to New York City. And then they moved from New York down into Pennsylvania. They lived there in Pennsylvania. And then before long, a lot of people were coming. Within a few years, within about a decade, in a single year, more than 1,000 people moved from this small community in Italy, Rosetto, over to Pennsylvania. And they all started settling there. They bought up some land. Eventually, they started their own community in Pennsylvania, which is there to this day, called Rosetto. And in Rosetto, they, they developed this close community. They were all from the same place. It was an Italian community. Of course, they were eating good all the time. They were working hard in the quarries around them. And you fast forward into about the 1950s, and there was a medical researcher going around, and he was studying different parts of the nation, and he, he ended up passing through Pennsylvania. And he heard from some of the local doctors that even though there was a lot of heart disease at the time, and still today there is, for the men from Rosetto, there was, there was pretty much no heart disease at all. He thought, this, that's unusual. So he started investigating it and trying to figure out why. He thought, maybe it's their diet. But come on, they were Italians. They did not have good diets. They had the unhealthiest diets out there. Tons of pasta, right? Tons of delicious stuff to eat. But it wasn't a healthy diet. He, he looked at their exercise habits. They weren't exercising, right? Again, Italians, eating good, enjoying life. They weren't wasting time exercising. He looked at all the factors. And he, he, couldn't, discuss, he couldn't figure out why it was that they were so healthy, nothing about what they were doing. What he also noticed is that when people moved away and, and they moved somewhere else, that their, they, their health went downhill and they had heart disease. And that people in the communities just on either side of Rosetto had the same issues. They had heart disease, but in Rosetto, they didn't. And the only thing the researchers could discover about why this is, and they, the, only, the only explanation they had is that the people in Rosetto were healthier because of their relationships. 
They had close relationships. They, they knew each other well. They cared for each other well. Now, this is something that research is showing more and more. Uh, back in 2017, the Harvard Business Journal had an article about uh, loneliness and isolation. And this, a former Surgeon General was addressing it in there, and, and he said that being isolated and lonely is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's just not good for you, right? Being isolated is not good for you. And so if, if we want to take seriously the plan God has for us, it's got to start with community, right? We got to know God, and then we have to find freedom from the stuff in our lives, the stuff holding us back in community. We become people of love in community. So community is necessary for love, All right? But here's, here's the second thing we see here, and that is community requires sacrifice. Now, can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, it's so hard being in community. There are challenges that come along with it. Look at, look at the kind of stuff that Paul's asking for. He's saying, hey, outdo one another in showing honor. Okay, that's really hard to do. A little bit later, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. He says, repay no one evil for evil in verse 17, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. He says in verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Right, there's a sacrifice that is required to be in community. So if God's plan for you is to be in community with his people, the church, it's going to require some sacrifice. And that's the opposite of what we want to hear. Uh, there's a Bible teacher and author named John Piper, and he said something a few years ago that I thought was just so insightful. He talked about the different generations that we have here in America and the challenges that each generation faces with embracing the church and embracing community. He said, for those who are 20 to 40 years old, in general, we're talking about millennials and Gen Z a little bit. He says the biggest issue this group has with finding community and engaging in the church is offense. This group gets offended easily, right? And we're not calling anybody out. I, I would fit into that age range. This is not about calling people out. It's about recognizing the obstacles we have to community. And I think it's true for those 20 to 40, we get offended easily personally. We get offended on behalf of others easily. Instead of engaging in relationship and pushing through the offense, we want to pull back when we feel offended. I think this is so true and something we've got to wrestle with. But he said for those ages 40 to 60, the challenge they have in embracing the church and stepping into the church, the big challenge they have is they want comfort in their lives. They want to embrace comfort. And it's not always the most comfortable thing to have to get up and go to church and be involved in a community and be connected to other people. And so they want to embrace comfort and so they don't engage. That's those 40 to 60 years old. And I think what's probably happening there is this is the group of people. They've gotten kids mostly done or at least old enough where they don't have to worry about them as much. They've, they've worked hard to be where they're at and they're ready just to relax, right? But they're not willing to sacrifice sometimes what it takes to be in community. He said the final group is those ages 60 and older. And he said this group of people what often, what often he sees, and I think, he's, I think he's right in this, what he often sees with them engaging in community, engaging in the church, is there's a sense of, I've paid my dues. Like, I've, I've put in the, I've already done, I've done it for decades, I've been here, it's time for somebody else to do it. And there's almost a pullback and a drawing back of an older demographic that say, I've already, I've already done what I need to do. Now, the problem with all three of these mindsets, whether it's offense or it's comfort or it's, I've, I've done my part, and again, you don't have to be the, one of these ages to have that mindset. The problem with all of these mindsets is that it gives up on the sacrifice necessary for good community. 
Like sacrifice is part of this. If you want good community, there's something in, in so many of us that we are, we're looking for the right community. We want the right community to be, to be brought to us. I think many people in our culture right now are struggling to feel connected and struggling to feel like they have community. And we're looking for a community that we can go be part of. But here's the problem. All good communities require not just for you to be part of it, but for you to invest in it, for you to sacrifice for it. And I think too many of us are looking for community instead of creating community. You've got to step into that community and create healthy community to have a good community around you. And Paul's getting at all, and what he's saying here, he's getting at that over and over again, that we've got to step in, we've got to push forward, we've got to embrace community, not just by finding one to be part of, but by investing in that kind of community. And Paul says, if you, if, if you want to be a person of love, right, that community is necessary for that. But he also says self-sacrifice is necessary for community. Now, this is nothing new. This is exactly what Jesus did. For the church to be created, Jesus gave his life on the cross, died for us, rose from the dead to form this community of God's people. Right? Only by faith in Jesus can we draw near to the Father. And so from the very beginning of us even becoming the people of God, there was sacrifice involved. And so we carry on that sacrifice in community. And I know so many of us don't want to sacrifice or we've sacrificed before and been burned by it. But the only way forward, the way that God has designed his community, his church to work, is for us to be a people of love and a people of sacrifice. I was talking to a, a church leader he helps lead a church up in the Washington area. It's actually a church with, I think, 15 locations, and they're about to launch a couple new locations. They launch churches on college campuses, and they do a really good job with discipleship, helping people commit to going deeper, studying the, their Bibles together, learning and growing. And these groups, these discipleship groups, spend a lot of time together. And he says often people will ask him, man, how do y'all get people to commit so much? How do you get people to commit to this group and commit to doing all this stuff? And he says, it's a great response, he says, from the outside, what looks like high commitment is actually deep relationships. And I want to say that again. From the outside, what can look like high commitment is actually deep relationships. So think about parents, right? And maybe some parents here, like, you're willing to, to give up a lot for your kids because you love your kids so much. And it feels less like a sacrifice, although it is, and you know it is, and a lot more like a love for your child. We're called to have that same mentality within God's community, the church. We, we're supposed to have this, this love and affection for other people, deep relationships so much that we're happy to give up some time. We're happy to give up some money or some emotional space in order to be there to support and serve those around us in our community. And it's not just because we have this high sacrifice. It's because we have a deep love and affection for these people. And that looks a lot like high sacrifice from the outside. And Paul here is calling us to have an affection and a love for all kinds of people in this community. So he starts off and he says, hey, love one another with brotherly affection. Verse 10. The word brotherly affection, you actually know it, the Greek word. It's Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia. And so philos is the word for love and Adelphia is the word for brother. So it's saying, hey, like love the brothers well, have this brotherly affection. But then a few verses later in verse 13, he says, hey, seek to show hospitality. The word for hospitality is interesting. It's philoxenia. Right? It's philos, the word for love, and xenia, which like xenophobia, you hear that, right? It's, it's a word for uh, others. 
strangers, foreigners. And so we're supposed to have a love for the brothers, right? A love for those immediately in our community, but also a love for those who are outside of our community to bring them in, to show them love. And Paul's saying there needs to be such a level of a depth of relationship that we're willing to sacrifice for each other. Okay, so, so what Paul's teaching us here is that community is necessary for love, but also he's showing us community requires sacrifice. There's a third idea that Paul's trying to clue us into, and that is this, that community produces goodness. Community produces goodness. Now, there's something going on here that's easy to miss, and I want to point us back to the Greek again. And he says here in verse 10, or excuse me, verse 13, he says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The word seek here is a word that means to pursue. So pursue showing hospitality to other people. What's really interesting is the next verse. He says, bless those who persecute you. That's, that's a little harder. Jesus had said something similar already, but bless those who persecute you. The word for persecute is the same word used to pursue. It's the same word. If it's used in this context, it means someone's persecuting you, they're harming you. But he's telling the, the Christians, he's saying, hey, pursue hospitality. And then he's saying, bless those who are pursuing or persecuting you. Paul's, Paul's pointing us towards something that we've all experienced here. And that is that community is not just about what takes place in the community itself. It's about how we are shaped to confront the challenges of the world around us. All right, so community is not just about what takes place in that community. It's about what it produces in us to reach out to the world around us. So he says, hey, it's, it's, you need to be these kinds of people within this community. And then he takes a step back and he says, and this is what it'll do in you to where you can serve and honor the people around you who aren't part of your immediate community. He says, bless those who persecute you. He says, repay no one evil for evil. He says, don't try to avenge yourselves. But leave it to God. God is going to do it. To the contrary, show those people love. Feed them if he's hungry, if your enemy's hungry. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. He says, do these things. Serve others. And so here's, here's something that we often miss about community, is that God works in us in community so that we can take what he produces in us, the goodness of the change he creates in us, we can take that out into the world around us, right? It's never just about this community. It's not just about this church. It's about what God wants to produce in us to take us to the world around us. And this, this is one of the most beautiful things about community and one that we often miss because we don't stay in community long enough. And that is God wants to transform you through community. God wants to take the rough parts of your lives and the places where you're not loving and the places where you're not self-sacrificial, the places where you don't want to go out and bless those who persecute you. And he wants to work on you in community. The best place to find community here at Foundry is in our Foundry groups. These are groups that meet weekly and we support each other. We usually study the Bible. We, we support each other in life. We pray for each other. And, and every single week at the Foundry group I'm part of, People will tell stories of how God's moving in their lives, how God has helped them, how God is doing something, producing goodness in them so that they can go to the world around them with love. I've, I've seen guys who, who didn't really care about their faith at all suddenly get excited about sharing their faith with other people. I've seen people who are wrestling through issues and addictions in their lives find freedom from those addictions. I've seen people who, who could not forgive. They struggled to forgive what had been done to them. And through being involved in this group, they were able to step away from that, right? Give up that, that unforgiveness they were holding on to, release it, 
and find forgiveness. Like there's a freedom, right, that comes through being in a group together because through that group, through community, God produces goodness in us. That's not from us. It's from him that he's producing in us. And I love what Paul does. He finishes up this, this passage in verse 21. And he says something so profound. He says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a level to which God, through, through the community around you that's forming you, right, here in the church, that God can produce so much goodness that the goodness of your life, and, and my life and your life, we don't have these huge significant lives, right? But through the, the simplicity and just doing the right thing and walking in that love and walking in that goodness, that you and I, as a community together, we can overcome evil around us from the goodness that is produced in this community, like God wants to produce something in me and in you that enables others to see his goodness, right? That enables others to experience him that can overcome the evil in this world. And it all starts really small. It starts with self-sacrifice. It starts with love. I think many of us here know, like, we're hungry for community. You might, you might not be excited about sacrificing for it, but you, but you need community and you know it. A week or so ago, I was talking to a guy, a younger guy, probably early 20s. He had moved to the Jackson area recently um, from where he lived before, and his name was Marcus, and he, he knew he wasn't in a good place. So I was talking with him, and, and he found out I was a pastor, and he said, man, like, I, I know I need to get in church. He said, since, I, since I've been down here, I haven't been connected to good community, and he said, I've really struggled. Now, his story, so of course, I invited him to church, right, and I hope, I hope he comes to Foundry sometime soon. But there's something that, that's going on in his life. He's able to recognize there's a deficiency in my life because I don't have the right community around me. I'm not engaging in creating community like I should. Right? There, there's a love for the Lord and a love for other people that isn't fully present in my life because I don't have that kind of community. There's, there's a self-sacrifice I'm not able to express right now because I don't have the right community. There's a goodness that's not being produced in me because I don't have that right kind of community. So maybe you're like Marcus, and maybe you're like me, that you need good community. I want to encourage you to, to engage community around you, the, the, the community in God's church. Engage that, because that's going to create a love in you. It's going to create a self-sacrifice in you. It's going to produce a goodness in you that God is going to use. And I know many of us are here, and maybe you've been hurt by past experiences with church community or community in general, but I just want you to know God's plan for your life is to know Him, but then through the community He's created in the church to find freedom, to find freedom through love and through self-sacrifice, to find freedom through the goodness He produces. So I want to encourage you, like God's, God's plan for your life involves you being in community, not doing life alone. You have a community that needs you but you also need community, right? You, you need community, but your community also needs you. There's something God wants to do here to take you deeper, take the people around you deeper. God wants to produce that in you. So I want to challenge you, step into deeper community. That's God's plan for your life. And as you do that, he's going to create love in you, self-sacrifice in you, and going to bring goodness in your life as you walk in what he has for you. So I want to, I want to go to prayer here in just a moment. And I want to lift up just everyone gathered here. I want to pray over us that the Lord would help us to be people who are people of love, people who are people of goodness, people who are people of self-sacrifice, and that as we embrace his community in this way, 
he would create in us and form in us everything he's promised. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We worship you. We ask that you would help us to be people who embrace the community around us. Help us to be people who don't hold back from community because of comfort or because of offense or because we've already paid our dues. Help us to be people who embrace all that you have, who step into all that you have. And Lord, I pray that as we step into community more deeply, that we would find freedom, that we would find freedom from the addictions we have. We would find freedom from the the past that we're having trouble giving up, that we would find freedom from our impatience and our anger, that you would use those around us and through your spirit, you would form us, that you would help us to be people of love, people of self-sacrifice, and Lord, that you would produce goodness in us. Father, I pray for those here right now, that you would bless all of us, that you would help each of us to walk in your love and goodness and walk in the community you've set up for us. And as we do that, Jesus, I pray that you would form us to be your people, serving you and loving the world like you dreamed we would. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.